Hello, and welcome to the Humumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. The podcast where we watch 31 horror movies throughout the hallowed month of October. Ranging from the critically acclaimed to film school projects gone gruesomely awry. And we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Sully Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously. That's a nice vintage t-shirt you have on there, Mikey. Why, thank you very much. Am I to, to, to guess from this that you are perhaps time-traveled here from a different era? No, I just never buy new shirts. <laughs> oh, I thought maybe we were uh, <laughs> dropped in the middle of a uh, enter-nowhere-like scenario. <laughs> Possibly, but no. No? No, I just That's don't That's very it. sad. So let's talk about today's movie, Enter Nowhere, which is in fact a time travel kind of movie. It is time travel Um, I hope people remembered that this is spoilers because that's the spoiler right there. <laughs> but I'm afraid we've had our first failure of the month, which this is a record going this far without a failure. I don't know what that means. Well, Soli, this is the Homumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown, and we try very hard to only review horror movies. Oh, I see what you're saying, and I did not realize that while we were watching it, but possibly that's because I was enjoying it so much okay. that I forgot we were, we like had a purpose. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We have a noble purpose, I would say. Yeah. This... Maybe even a holy purpose. <laughs> no? Uh, I, I don't have any holy purpose. Do you? I, I don't know. I thought maybe. I'm wholly focused on watching entertaining movies. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Yeah, so this was not a horror movie. What would you consider this movie to be? It, you know, it's a funny kind of subgenre, which is a sci-fi movie with no actual science of any kind and not even like, like it's it's time travel, but at no point is there a time machine or any technology or like interacting with the mechanics of time travel. It's just magic. But does that make it fantasy instead of yeah, sci-fi? So. But I mean, people think of it as sci-fi. They're like, oh, time travel movie. But it, you're right. It wasn't It wasn't scientific. It was much more, it definitely had much more of a religious overtone to it. It didn't, yeah. it didn't really go into religion at all. But the convenience store clerk was definitely there to find these people who came into his convenience store wanting and offer them uh, redemption. Yeah, that poor clerk, he does not have the greatest job. Well, so my question, at the end when when it, it basically was the exact same as the beginning, just with a new set of people, my yeah. question is, how many dating couples are there <laughs> running around robbing liquor stores and convenience stores and gas stations? Well, I, you know, I think we should get at the, the real question underneath your question, which is why aren't we running around robbing gas stations? I sort of feel like we're maybe 
like failing to live up to our yeah. coupledom. We're not doing what we need to be doing with our lives. Um, I don't really want to get trapped in this whole timey wimey nonsense that they got trapped in, though. So I can understand that. I feel like I'm it, okay with it. It's not great. Look, I want to talk just briefly about what's happening in the movie so that our dear listeners can follow along as we're discussing these things. These total spoilers. Right. So we start by watching a young woman rob a convenience store clerk, shoot him, and then, like, and, and he's kind of being weird about opening the safe yeah, and, you know, oh, right. I don't think you can handle what's inside my safe. And, it, and, and she shoots him and then it, like, goes white. Yeah, that's that. Next thing we know, we are with a completely different young woman, roughly the same age, as she stumbles through the woods, comes across a young man and a cabin, and eventually the first young woman shows up having no, like, not really talking about any of the things that we've just seen her experience. Yeah, just kind of stumbles in. So we've got these three people, they're all in this cabin, and what they figure out as they try to escape or, you know, get back to... Anywhere. Anywhere, <laughs> is that as they... L walk away from the cabin eventually they are walking back at the cabin the the first young woman uh whose name was jody describes it very aptly i thought as saying they are on a pac-man screen yeah now when I you go off of one side info. you come on on the other side but every time it's always the same screen yeah so jody is hanging around with sam the dark-haired young woman and tom the young man and they're all, you know, kind of antagonistic toward each other. They're all stressed out about being there, whether there's food, all of this. Understandably. And there are gunshots happening around them. Yeah, not so, not as often as you would expect, but occasionally. Right, know. right. I sort of feel like if they had happened as often as they should have given what the situation was supposed to be, <laughs> it might have given things away too yeah, early. That would have been weird. As they try to escape, they discover things about each other, like that they all think they're in a different place. They know they're in the cabin, but they think the cabin is somewhere else in America than... Right. Each I, other person thinks. Uh, and, and they don't understand. Like, they're each thinks the others are crazy because they're all that sure. It also becomes more and more apparent that they have different experiences and, and that there are things that some of them know about that others don't. Like, Tom keeps referring to the things, like, he talks about Sam's classic car. Or he refers to Jody's zip-up... Puffy jacket. Vest, yeah. Jacket. Yeah. As... Uh, vintage. And both of them, as he makes these comments, are sort of like, really? You know, they're confused by this. Yeah, it, which, I mean, I wouldn't call that heavy-handed, but it was like the very first time he did that, I was like, oh, okay. Right, it right. It was not hard to figure he out. He used the word classic, and immediately, immediately I thought, oh, they don't live in the same time period. <laughs> yeah. It, it helped, though, that Sam was dressed differently. She had like a trench coat style jacket on, whereas Tom, Tom was harder to place because like his haircut yeah. and everything was very kind of military style, which I realized is sort of ageless. Like it was hard kind to of. decide, is he from before her or after her? Although when he called her car classic, that kind of gave that away, didn't it? Yeah. But Sam had a very, a very 1950s style to her. Her hair, yeah. her clothes, just the way she carried herself through the woods was very much like a <laughs> women are delicate kind of approach. Yeah. 
Um, it was very obvious to me where she was from. And then when Jody came in, she had like the black eyeliner and, you know, spiky hair and knee high boots and tight jeans. And she was like very 1980s. Mm-hmm. We realize they're all from different times. And it's only much later that it becomes clear. Although I figured it out long time before this mm. that they're actually all related. Mm-hmm. Very closely related in that. Sam is the mother of Jody, who's the mother of Tom. Right. And toward the end, a fourth person enters the scene, Hans. Hans, which I've got some questions about. Okay. So Hans enters enters the scene, because it it turns out that the cabin is actually in Poland Mm -hmm. in the 1940s during World War II. Hans is a Nazi soldier who shows up at the cabin. He has a mission having something to do with the cabin or the area around the cabin. But what Sam eventually realizes is that this is her father. So now we have four generations of people. And what we learn is that all of these individuals died when their children were very young. Some of them before they had even met their children. Well, except Tom, who, I mean, true, he never had kids, but he... Oh, yeah, he's the youngest. I mean, he's... Yeah. Yeah. So Hans died in World War II, and Sam Sam was raised without a father. Then Sam died in childbirth, giving birth to Jody. So Jody never had a mother. And then Jody, because she was robbing liquor stores and holding up (laughs) convenience stores, was actually uh, sentenced to be executed. And when Tom was born, while she was in prison, he was immediately taken away and given up for adoption actually ended up in an orphanage poor guy yeah so clearly a lot of troubled life along the way how could we fix all this is there some solution well the movie seems to think (laughs) that all of this will be fixed if hans survives yes because it turns out this cabin is where hans died and they're there on the day he died Mm -hmm. or at least now they are i guess they've been hanging out for several days prior Mm -hmm. and so they've got this chance to rescue him from getting killed in an airstrike which is what was going to happen to him and thusly he would be alive to be a father and somehow that would result in sam not dying in childbirth because she was alone and something went wrong with her pregnancy and she didn't have anyone around if sam's father hadn't died her mother wouldn't have gotten remarried and moved away. And so Mm. she would have had her mother with her to help get her to the hospital. So then Sam would survive. So then Jody would be raised by her mother instead of her father's very abusive parents. Yes. And so then Jody wouldn't be a terrible... Crook. A dirty crook. Gas station robbing crazy person. And so then Tom never would have been in an orphanage. Yeah, he would have grown up with a lovely mother. Oh, and we learn that Tom died after yes. he so he had uh he he's never really clear as to what happened exactly but he gets retribution against a priest who had wronged him is how mm-hmm. he put it and then shot himself yeah so i don't think this whole plan is going to fix that but uh, we'll, well see i think it was implied that this thing happened to him because he grew up in an orphanage and that didn't have some sense. Yeah, you know, he didn't have a support system. So if he had been raised by his mother, that might not have happened to him. Although I think there are plenty of people in the world who have been raised by parents who have failed to protect them from yes. uh, traumatic religious experiences. Certainly. 
And then this whole system exists. And that's my biggest weirdness about this movie is like if this was the movie, same movie, but they all died and they're in purgatory in this cabin, which mm-hmm. is that's what you expect when you watch this movie. You're like, oh, we know they're dead. And it's, it's right. very common. So I'm glad they didn't do that. But if that had happened... Well, but they were dead. Well, yeah, I guess they were. They were pretty dead. I think they they were were, all in purgatory. they were traveling through time to prevent that from happening, which is... That's different. It wasn't a permanent visit in purgatory. Yes. Plus, they they were actually in the real past. Like, they were really there doing something, I think. That's true. It wasn't I mean, like some imaginary thing. Maybe that is what purgatory is, is this redemptive opportunity. Perhaps. I don't know. But it's so specific. Like this, I mean, I see how this specific sequence of events could change the lives of all four of these individuals. But then how does that generalize to others? Like this couple that comes in at the end of the movie and it goes through the exact same script They're going to end up there. Did that girl also have (laughs) a mother who died? Like, how does that all work? I'm sure the clerk finds the right scenario to get them in a better life, which is what I, I mean, this is what I'm saying. The weirdness is what is this system? Why is it there? Because like if they were dead and in purgatory and trying to redeem themselves to go to heaven or something, Mm -hmm. that I understand. Like that connects for me. This is like some weird random system of a magic store clerk who saves people's lives like what what is happening there and it calls to mind dr samuel beckett to me <laughs> leaping back and forth through time to write what was once wrong wait so are these individuals like samuel beckett well, writing what was wrong or is the store clerk Samuel Beckett the clerk imposing this opportunity yeah, on everybody he's else? He's doing the same thing, you know, the same thing Sam did. He he was he sees a problem in history and he's correcting it. He's doing it by with his magic safe instead of going right. to the time and correcting it, but he's doing the same thing. So rather than making the changes himself and going into somebody and influencing their behavior, he's just like, "Here, y'all go in this room, figure mm-hmm. it out. You don't get to come out until you fix this." Yeah. yeah. Although I do wonder about that too, like Yeah, what they, happened if they, they had barely failed? Barely succeeded. Several of them vanished in the process. Would they have just looped back through it? I don't know. We don't know what it, how the rules work. So, I sort of feel like you're saying, "Oh, it's so, you know, random i sort of feel like if you believe that there is an entity that knows all and controls all it's not random at all because that entity god in most you know mm-hmm. situations knows the entirety of all op- you know possibilities and is able to pick in this case the four individuals that all needed to be in that situation for this to be resolved so it's not really See, random it's based on this omniscience i mean this is a overall religious objection but i mean why does he have to do that why didn't he get it right in the first place like if he knows everything that wouldn't have been a problem i believe the argument there that i'm supposed to go to is free will and yeah we're not gonna go down that then (laughs) why does he throw him in a box it's not very free well because they have free will but they used it incorrectly so now they're being punished not good That is not good at all. Really? Yeah. No, I mean, I'm with you. I think that the people who wrote this story were sort of working on a different... Yeah, but it just doesn't... uh, 
what's the word, um, philosophical level than we do. Yeah. But it doesn't connect. Like, if it was about God and whatnot, I mean, I'm not saying the clerk's not God. It seems likely he is. But, you know, in the normal God, heaven, hell, purgatory situation, I get it. That is a story I can follow. This is, like, just kind of made up whatever. And every horror movie has made up whatever. Like, this this is how the monster is, and this is what he does. But this one just, I didn't feel like there was a grounding in some logic to it like it just this is the guy with the safe and that's how it is like it didn't feel like that came from anything i mean yeah but i guess i didn't question it too much because that's all religion always (laughs) like here's the guy with the information i mean it it bothered me yeah quite a bit actually i guess huh by the end, we figure out what's happening, but that doesn't satisfy me because I don't understand why it's happening. Whereas I get God wants to fix something, but this is different. Even if he is God, it's different. It's strange. That's interesting. Doesn't doesn't sit right. I hear what you're saying. I still don't quite understand it, Our but I hear what you're saying. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. So you said you had some questions about Hans. Let's talk about Hans, the Nazi great grandfather <laughs> yes. of Tom. Well, it goes it goes kind of the same place as the last situation, which is if you're making a movie and the parameters of what's happening are such that you're like, okay, he's got to have been alive around the 40s and we want him to not speak the same language as these people. You go to Nazi? Like <laughs> he could have been French. <laughs> this is very strange that they're like and he's a Nazi like it could he could be a Nazi this this is a story that could happen but it entails us having sympathy for this Nazi and because at with no him. point does it address the fact that he's a Nazi yeah and they're like oh we have to save you and what if that had turned the tide of the war what if Hans was the guy who saved Hitler I mean and and even this at is the weird. end like I've I've read a lot of Well, one of the things that they like to do, particularly in, like, the Columbo, like, 1980s kind of time, Uh when they were writing stories that happened prior to that, is they would write stories about Nazis who had escaped Germany and moved to America and changed their identity and were pretending to be somebody else. And then they would get, you know, murdered because somebody figured out who they were or they would end up being murderers or whatever. And I've I've seen a lot of those stories. Like that was a fairly common trope, I think, yeah. that came out of World War II. Stephen King also used it in Which, Apt Pupil. Oh yeah, yeah. So that didn't surprise me that much. But in those stories, the Nazi always gets their come up and somehow. <laughs> like they are always yes. called out as like, hey, you did terrible things and you have to be held accountable. And in this case, by the end of the movie, like they do save Hans and the butterfly effect that they hoped would happen does happen. All of Everybody's these things are good. better. Uh, we don't see Tom alive, but we do see that Sam is alive and Jody is with her and they look very happy. Yeah. Except for the fact that they are carrying an urn and we're seeing that Hans has recently died. And the article about his death, his obituary, yeah. is talking about, you know, how he's this great philanthropist and all this. So basically, like I assumed that that's exactly what happened. He escaped Germany, he went to America, he pretended to be someone who had not <laughs> participated in 
the Nazi regime. And we got to give him credit. At one point during the movie, he says, I'm not a Nazi, I'm a soldier, which I think brings a whole complicated moral issue, which is, you know, if you were a young man living in Germany at this time, you were going to be in the army. You didn't have a choice. And he may have totally disagreed with Nazism, but he's going to do his soldier job. But then don't you have an obligation to reject that? Or maybe it's early enough in the war that he's like, hey, I'm fighting for my country. It's cool. So here's the thing. Uh, One of my most favorite books that I've read in the last few years is All the Light We Cannot See. And that book really like did a great job of addressing exactly that. Like Mm -hmm. there is a young man being raised who loves his country and being raised at the time when kind of that whole movement was getting started. And he gets caught up in it, but then realizes what's happening and gets himself out. And I recognize like the story is about how hard that was. So yes, it was difficult, but Even when he was a part of it, there was some, like, in the story, he has qualms. He has questions. He, like, doesn't really want to do the things he's being told to do. Or he, you know, like, as he's told to do more and more horrific things, he becomes less and less willing to do them. And in this case, it didn't feel like Hans was like, I'm not going to do this. Like, if it had been... I failed my mission. They know I failed my mission. They're going to bomb this area. I'm going to die because I chose not to do the thing I was commanded to do. That would do. be pretty cool. Yeah. That would have been different. I did not get that message from this movie. No, he seemed very dedicated to his job. Right. And I mean, there's something about that where, you know, you're a soldier, you do your job, but it's I not good. I very, very strongly believe that... I was just following orders is nonsense Mm -hmm. and is it no in any situation is not an excuse for doing terrible things. And I think about that a lot these days because there (laughs) are a lot of people out there in our government these days and we're, you know, people who are employed by our government at various levels who at some point in the near future, I hope, are going to be using the excuse I was just following orders to explain why they did horrific things. And as much as I understand it is difficult to stand up against the entity that is your entire government, I also think you have a moral obligation like you mentioned before. And I don't think I was following orders is going to justify any of the things that happened. I'm with you. And it brings me back to my original question. Why did they put a Nazi in this story? I don't know. Because that <laughs> is such a big, big move to make. Yeah. You don't just randomly make someone a Nazi. That's weird. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, it is. It's a big choice to then not have come into play in some way. Yeah. And especially, like you said, when there are other options. Like if they needed somebody who didn't speak English which was part of the story, fine. There were lots of other countries involved in World War II who were not (laughs) English-speaking. He could have been Polish. (laughs) Right? They were in Poland. I mean, he could have been German. He could have been (laughs) fighting on the side of Germany and going against it, rebelling against the orders that he was given. I mean, just there are so many different opportunities And they didn't choose any of them. And then they didn't even address it later. Yeah, they really just let it go. There was no like, 
oh, he stood trial and served time and, you know, okay, I'm not saying he's irredeemable. I think probably a lot of people who participate in terrible things have the opportunity to realize how terrible they were and redeem themselves. But there has to be some kind of accountability for those kinds of behaviors. It can't just be, this happened, nobody knows, so everything's fine. (laughs) That's not- seems to be the story here. And that's not a strong moral statement. And I find it hard to believe that a god of any kind- would be okay with that and would want yeah. that to be like, that's his happy solution for everything. <laughs> Everybody save the Nazi. That's what I wrote on my notes is it's like a time travel kill Hitler movie, except instead of going back <laughs> to kill Hitler, they're going to save a Nazi. Like, yeah. What, it, which side are we on? Yeah. Very strange choice. I mean, maybe that's the horror element of it all. Sure. <clears throat> it's a horror movie. Boom. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, one of the the last notes that I took was, you know, I said, so we're just going to ignore the fact that Hans was a Nazi. Mm -hmm. Is it possible to be philanthropic enough to make up Mm. for Nazi behaviors? I don't know. I don't know either. I, I I think that there are definitely people who believe it is possible. I personally think there has to be some kind of accountability. And I'm not saying that he needs to be lashed with a wet noodle or, you know, that horrific things have to happen to him, but he has to take accountability for those decisions. And again, I think about that a lot because I think there are going to be a lot of people over the next few decades who are either having to take accountability for their decisions or getting away without taking accountability for their decisions. Yeah. And honestly, I think whether or not you are willing to take the consequences of bad decisions is a big deciding factor in whether you're an ethical, moral person or not. Yeah, Hmm. that makes sense. One of the things that surprised me about there being the second piece where it was like, oh, this is starting all over again with somebody else, was that the cabin was very distinctively and intentionally blown up once their objective had been met. Well, I mean, that was that was their issue. Obviously, someone else wouldn't be going to that same cabin that was Hans's That is ground. true. That is true. So they, they're going somewhere else in time to set right what once went wrong. <laughs> I hear you. Al? Al? Ziggy. <laughs> What's going wrong, Al? It's a 93.7% chance. (laughs) That you're here to save a Nazi. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute, Al. That can't be right. Oh, (laughs) boy. Nice. Now I want to watch all of the Quantum Leap. I'm going to have to go find it. Ratings. I'm sad this movie wasn't a horror movie. But I kind of knew that going in. I was trying to squeeze it in because I read the description and was like, oh, this is right up my alley. It said something about three people show up at a cabin separately and then find out what they have in common and how they're going to work together. sounded very interesting and mysterious. Mm -hmm. But it didn't do enough of that for me. Like it... I mean, it did do enough of that. It just didn't work out the way I would have enjoyed. It just wasn't quite the twist I wanted. And I'm still mad that I don't understand the reason for the clerk and the magic safe. 
Like, even if they had had like a shot where he's like, okay, open the safe, and they went, and they got sucked in, that'd be interesting. That wasn't implied enough for you? Eh. No, that wouldn't have helped at all. <laughs> but that was another of my weird issues with it, is like, why is the safe guy in Jody's life? Like, she's in the middle, not even the middle, she's third of the four people in this list. Like, I could see it being somebody Tom encounters because he's the last of this line or Hans encounters because he's the first, but it's just weird. Like whatever. It's just Jody runs into this. It just seems like, or even why is Tom in the movie? Why isn't it Jody and previous fix her life? That would make more sense too. It's just a strange, a lot of strange choices in the making of this movie is what I feel. Hmm. I'm weirded out by this movie. But I enjoyed it because it had the mystery and it was coming together. I did not enjoy Tom's acting. Everyone else was fine, but I thought Tom was pretty wooden. Not impressed. And um, overall, I'm going to rate this one three bean cans out of five. So it was okay. It's fun, but didn't quite fill the bill. Okay. Okay. But on a horror note, so this is totally a horror movie. At one point, when they see Hans coming towards the cabin, Jody says, it's Michael Myers. And <laughs> Sam goes, you know him? So that was, that was awesome. Poor Sam was lost in this whole thing because Jody thought it was 1984 and Tom thought it was uh, 2011. And so they were making all kinds of references that <laughs> poor Sam from 1962 did not understand. Yeah, that's rough. And they kept, like, for a while, Tom kept saying things like, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't, we haven't even gone back to the moon since the 60s. And she's <laughs> like, we went to the moon? Yeah. And he sa- said something about JFK being shot. And she's like, someone shoots JFK? <laughs> like, she was so traumatized by all the things he was she saying. Had a rough time. It was very difficult. I think I liked this movie more than you did. I was not nearly as bothered by the by the illogical nature of the story. Mm-hmm. I just sort of feel like I, I didn't try to attach it to the real world in any way. I'm just like, this is how it works in this world. This is what's happening. Yeah. So so I wasn't at all bothered by why is this going on. Um, I did think it was odd that the ending callback to it to to show us that this is not a one-time thing that this has happened again you know is happening again or has happened many times to many different people i thought it was weird that it was exactly the same right so like fine have a different kind of person come in and do some different kind of terrible thing that involves opening (laughs) the safe in some way and so so i can see oh this clerk is offering these redemptive moments to lots of people. Yeah. But doesn't make me fall out of the story because I'm like, really? Yet another couple coming to rob the convenience store? Goes over to the same spot to kiss and then pull right? out their guns. Like how many people are living this exact same life? Uh-huh. And then it makes me think, well, is this the exact same thing? Like is is anything going to be different? And then if not, why is that? That yeah, didn't make sense. Weird. So I would have liked it to have been something different there at the end. 
I was very bothered by the whole let's not discuss the Nazi thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, I enjoyed it. I was not bothered by Tom's acting, possibly because I was a little distracted by how cute Tom was. Like, he was Whatever. a little cutie pie. He was no cutie pie. He was a little cutie pie. But, you know, I didn't mind. It wasn't the best movie that's ever been made. This is not going to become a timeless classic in the timey-wimey oeuvre of filmmaking. (laughs) But it was fun to watch. It was the kind of light, like, brain candy movie where it offered enough questions that I was curious, but enough fairly blatant hints that I was able to pretty accurately guess what was going on. Makes you feel smart. But it, yeah, but it didn't get to the point where it was like, to beating me over the head with it. Like, I got to feel smart about figuring it out to a certain degree. Like, I could tell, like, they were doling it out (laughs) to me like candy, but but in a way I enjoyed. So, you know, I am going to give this one four bean cans out of five because I really did enjoy it. It is not a horror movie. It should not have ended up in our list. I know. Um, But I, it, it, it very much is the kind of movie that I like. All right. That's fine. If I could go back in time, I would have picked a horror movie for us. Yeah. Well, you can pick a horror movie for us tomorrow. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Are you ready to do reviews? Yeah, let's just do it. Okay. That was the rating song. Rating. Sort of feel like that was a Batman <laughs> segue. 